Fucking, 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 fucking. Regardless of uh, how our lives have been changed over the course of the last number of weeks, the National Football League, a little different, obviously, but they did go on and opened their uh, uh, calendar year for the National Football League on March the 18th. Of course, starting on March the 16th is when you could start talking to other teams' free agents, and there was a lot of of, uh, movement those first couple of days of free agency. We're now... Uh, fully engrossed in week one of the National Football League's free agent frenzy. We can talk about that. Chris has a list of trades and the bigger names, free agent signings, and some of the names that have not been signed yet, uh, talking about Jadavian Clowney, uh, the biggest name. A lot of people thought he might be the biggest name out there in uh, unrestricted free agency when the new calendar year started for the NFL. And uh, Chris just told me, and I, I remember hearing this, that he was offered $18.5 million per season from the Seattle Seahawks, and he told them respectfully no, as we welcome you to this 478th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here uh, under trying circumstances. I hope everybody is doing as well as can be expected. But I want to concentrate this 478th episode on the National Football League, a lot of comings and goings. And before Chris gets into his master list, and we're not going to tell you about, you know, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle that got signed by the Carolina Panthers. I don't give a crap. There's, you know, Chris is smart enough. We're just going to give you the bigger names. Um, there's a lot of names on the transaction wire right now. But do you really care that the Green Bay Packers re-signed Well Redmond? No. Nope, not really. Did they? Yeah. Okay. But I, <laughs> I didn't even see that but, one. But, you know, but to... Uh, a non-Packer fan, well, Red Will Redman, who cares? Probably Mrs. Redman, but and his mama, but I'm not too concerned about the lesser guys, the special teamers, and I don't mean disrespect, but it is what it is. Um, a couple of news and notes, though. Besides the free agent frenzy period that started, I guess, technically on Wednesday of this last week, um, the National Football League also ratified their new collective bargaining agreement now good for 11 years because they still had this upcoming season on the last deal. So they still have to honor that uh, that season of the old collective bargaining agreement. Then, starting in 2021, they'll have 10 seasons of hopefully harmonious relationships between the players and the owners. But I've got a few issues before I get to Chris. I've got a few issues with this. The 17th game is a problem for me. Yes, they're down to three exhibition games, but I think that number could have gotten reduced to two, and I would have been even happier. Two exhibition games would have been plenty. One to get the rust off for the starters, and the second one to allow, again, numbers 23 through 55 or whatever it is on the expanded rosters to allow them to battle it out for those those roster spots. But the NFL ratifies the new CBA, and it really can't be a really a strong signal when 500 plus players don't even take the time to vote. That's scary. That's like when they, when they brought in the N- uh, the NRA, that's good. The NDP to 
Alberta a couple years ago, and only 21% of registered voters in the province of Alberta showed up. And that's why you had that aberration called the NDP come into Alberta. And that was the beginning of the end. NDP and Nenshi, I'm not going there, but that was the beginning of the end in Alberta. I don't care what anybody says. But anyway, 500 plus members of the NFLPA don't even take the time to vote on the CBA. And the ones that did, this is how close the vote was. 1,109 voted for, 959 voted against. Wow. The addition of a 17th game could happen as early as the 2021 season. And the two additional playoff teams to bring the total up to, what, 14? That will happen this upcoming season, whenever that upcoming season starts. There will be 14 playoff teams and only two buys. The number one seed in each conference are the only two teams that get buys. So you better be 14-2 and because if you're 11-5, and 12-4, and four, you're not getting a buy this year with only one buy in each conference playoff season. So having said that, um, I'd like Chris to get on his list and update you if you haven't heard as to we'll start with the bigger trades. If I have a comment, I might involve myself but if i don't again if we're talking about will redman safety for the green bay packers i don't give a damn but there are some big names that have trade uh, changed teams over the last course of this last week and to update you on what he knows and uh, who's been moving the most recent we bring in the boss of an unscripted mr flu Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you know what? I have to say with those things you brought up, I don't really care for the 17th game, although as a selfish fan, it's nice to get an extra week of regular season football, which is my favorite. Okay, but I got to interject then right there. I bet there's going to be a lot of players that don't play that 17th game. It'll just be basically a bye week, I think. Yeah, no, and fair enough. I, I'm not a big proponent of it. I mean, I, when it actually happens, I'll right. be happy. I'd rather have now, football than not. But You'll still be able to do your, your fantasy stuff on that 17th game, but I think it's it's going to be a little skewered because I think, again, you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to take that as an unofficial week off. Well, but even right now, I mean, in weeks, there's already a week 17, which is team 16th game. Right, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, it. most fantasy leagues don't go to the final week. Most of them end in week oh, okay. in week sixteen oh, okay. with the team's fifteenth games because they some leagues don't like some leagues and it really messes stuff up because you might be crushing your I league see. and then your star just happens to sit because he's on a good team and then you okay. lose like it yeah so most fantasy leagues end the second last week anyway got it so they they prepared for that uh, on the other side of the coin though I do love the fourteen I love that only the top uh, team gets the buy in each conference I like that I don't like two and two getting buys. There's too many buys for me. I, I, I do agree with that, but I don't want to get to a point where, now I know we're going to supposedly have an agreement now until 2030, so we're not going to be able to change the format yeah. again unless somebody opts out. But as far as, far as, as, as long as neither side, the owners of the NFLPA opt out of this new CBA agreement, we will be on 14 for at least the next 11 seasons. Having said that, though, I do not want the number to get higher than 14. And the reason I'm saying that, we saw it last year, we've seen it in years past. I hate it, my friend, when a 7-9 and nine team or a below 500 team um, gets into the playoffs. That isn't a reward. That is, I don't, know, have a, I don't have a word for it yet, but 
I think that at the very minimum, and this is the old school in me, you should have to be at least above 500 to qualify in your respective league to make it to the postseason. Or at least 8-8 eight and eight at 500. I'm fine with 8-8. Eight and eight. I, I, I'm, I really have a problem with 7-9, and 6-9-1, or whatever the hell it is. I have a problem when they're below 500. I, I know mean, what you mean. I, know I just mean. don't. I just. I think that's like getting the participation award. Everybody gets a slip, and I think that's bullshit in this day and age. And I think below five hundred should not be a reward. That that's fair. Although last year I would have been totally fine with it because the teams that would have gotten in that didn't were the Rams and the Steelers. And the Rams had a lot of great moments, had a lot of great talent there. And the Steelers won like seven out of eight down the stretch. But neither I mean, of them had a losing record to my recollection. No, I don't think they did either, But which which is fine too. But anyway, I'm just saying that if it had been in place this year, I would have had no problem with the Rams and Steelers making it. I think they were two deserving franchises. And uh, and the Rams would have been in Green Bay in week one if they had had the expanded. Yeah. If they had been. And, and that would have been fun to watch Shampoo Boy back in Green Bay. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Okay, so the very first trade that started the whole free season that I saw uh, I just and it was kind of right before it ended up being kind of a microcosm we saw a lot of teams we saw the teams with the smart GMs making smart moves and we saw the dumb teams making dumb moves Chicago Bears there you go and yeah Ryan Pace hey we've been saying that for years, years. and years and years I'm how, so happy he's in the NFC North oh how, how's that how's that Mike Glennon three years times 15 million working out you <laughs> fucking idiot <laughs> So, man, Nick Folds cost him a fourth round draft pick, and they still owe Nick Folds a lot of money on that contract that he signed last year with Jackson. We can break down that. We will in a second, too. But the first one that happened kind of before this all started was the Panthers and the Chargers made a trade, which most people might not think of this trade as a big deal, but it's just such a microcosm for what's going on out there. So the Chargers sent Russell Okung to the Panthers in exchange for Trey Turner, two offensive linemen who are both very good. But Russell Okung is 32 years old, he's broken down, he's injury prone, and last year he had, what, a pulmonary embolism and almost died? And then you have you trade him for a trade turn, you trade him straight up for a guy who's younger and better. Yeah. I have no idea what Caroline's doing ever since, what's his name, uh, Tepper? Matt, Matt Rule, oh, David uh, Tepper, the, the owner. The yeah. owner, yeah, ever since he bought the team, like, I don't know what they're, everything they do looks wrong. Yeah. It, the only thing I like about them is that I do like Teddy Bridgewater, the king of the short pass, and that's going to be perfect for Christian McCaffrey, who is going to be have be great in fantasy again, and you get tons of garbage time now because they're going to suck. But uh, th this that trade just to me was a microcosm of there is a big difference in the NFL with GMs. There are a lot of really smart GMs and a lot of really dumb GMs and owners, and we really saw it here. And speaking of that, the future last place team, the team that will finish 32nd overall in the league this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. Uh, they somehow decided to trade Calais Campbell to the Baltimore Ravens yeah. for a fifth round pick. You trade the reigning man of the year. Right. Bunch of Pro Bowls. Still awesome. Still playing at a high level. You trade him to a Super Bowl. Like the Ravens have been making unbelievable moves. The Ravens are... You know, and now with now with the Patriots and maybe going down finally. Yay! Uh, I mean, obviously the Chiefs are going to be something to contend with, but man, Baltimore. Ho, oh, if if Lamar Jackson is as good as he was last year, or maybe he gets even better because he is a hard worker. Holy shit! You want to watch out for the Ravens because they're going to be crazy. You know what the funny thing is? Not only is a fifth round pick ridiculous for Calais Campbell, they it should have been minimum like second or third, maybe more. Do you know where they got that fifth round pick from? Speaking, yeah, and you'll appreciate this team being stupid. Sure. So the Ravens have 
who I think is the best kicker in the league, Justin Tucker. No question. Amazing. They had a backup kicker who was supposed to be this big hotshot. Went to the Bears. Vikings, sorry. Vikings. Vikings, yes. His name is Kari Vedvik. Yeah. Now, usually when you trade a backup kicker, (laughs) not only do you get nothing for him. Right. But if you do get a pick, it's conditional. Correct. You trade a you trade a backup kicker for a conditional seventh round pick, and a team like the Ravens are like, oh well, he's not ever getting past Tucker. Like, oh yeah, we're happy to take a conditional seventh round pick, no problem. For some reason, the stupid Minnesota Vikings and their stupid GM, their stupid owner, Rick Spielman's the GM. The owner is Wolf. Wolf, yeah, who gave Ziggy, yeah, hundred percent guaranteed contract, Kirk Cousins, and then resign him. Great job. Great job. It's great to be in the NFC North these days, Is, guys. Oh, and it's never been more true than these than this week. And anyway. even Detroit's Detroit's taken a lot of slack this I week, I texted too. you, and I, I said you all, did. all three of your opponents are just pathetic. So, anyway, they gave an unconditional fifth-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens for Kari Vedvik, a backup kicker. They then cut Vedvik three weeks later. Mm-hmm. So they just gave a free fifth-round pick, which now the Ravens have turned into Calais Friggin' Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. You can't afford to have a shitty GM. And speaking of which, let's get to the DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. Okay, I was wondering when you were... I thought you'd lead off with that. I am officially on your wife's bandwagon. I can't believe that the butt chin is allowed to have any personnel control out there. And some of the things that I have heard... Michael Irvin went nuts on Dallas radio this week about a comment in regard to a conversation between DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien. Yeah. And um, if that is true, I think there needs to be an investigation in the National Football League into what Bill O'Brien is doing, saying, and what he believes. Because um, I just can't believe that I think one of the top three wide receivers in the National Football League got traded for David Johnson. And David Johnson's a good football player, but DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best in the business at his position. And let me tell you, the happiest person in the world right now in regard to that trade's got to be Kyler Murray. Oh yeah. Like our well our buddy Sean Nichols, who we've had on the show a couple times, has been who's been our kind of our fantasy senior fantasy correspondent. He uh, has been telling me for months, he's like, next year, Kyler Murray in fantasy, I'm telling you. Yeah. And then as soon as this trade happened, I got a text from him and I he know. said, if you thought I wanted Kyler Murray before, yeah. holy shit, now you have DeAndre Hopkins. Look, here's what happened. Bill O'Brien fell through the cracks and filled the void and the vacuum left by the death of Bob McNair. Correct. Right? So he died and they had, you know, I don't know if he has, if he's like Jerry Jones. I think he has some idiot son or sons or something and they're just kind of filling. And all of a sudden the main guy dies, the real deal dies. And all of a sudden, oh crap, what do we do? Oh, uh, oh, this, this uh, Bill O'Brien guy. Oh, he's our coach and he wants to be the GM and he wants power over everything. And he used to work for Belichick and smell his farts. Oh, great. Let's, yeah. let's do him. And you should never, ever give a control freak that much power, uh, even if they were competent. And also, <laughs> and also he's, he doesn't have a remotely mature disposition at all. I mean, when you, you look at that video that came out where, you know, some fan said, you suck. Oh, right. And then he just loses, loses his, his mind, mind. Yeah, yeah. completely. You can't have a guy who's running an entire franchise, head coach, GM, the whole deal, who's but i mean as he gets more and more power he'll get more and more ego maniacal exactly right and so i mean look i i like david johnson even if you got the best david johnson where, where he was you know for pure talent a couple years ago was, a couple years ago but he's been damaged goods the last couple years he has and it's too bad because i mean just a couple years ago he played almost every game the very end of the last game he had a thousand yards every single game he has that arm injury and then all of a sudden now he hasn't been the same now he still could recover 
and still be, maybe I don't think so, but he could have another year or two uh, of good left. And and frankly, if you got that, that's exactly what the Texans have been uh, missing. Now, that's of course assuming you have DeAndre Hopkins well, stretching the yeah. field, and that you're just you're giving the ball to Lamar Miller, who sucks. But this could be good in that way. And when this trade broke, they didn't say Hopkins at first. When the trade broke, it said Texans acquired David Johnson because it hadn't been reported who was going the other way. And my first reaction was, uh-oh. Well, no, my first reaction, well, my first reaction was kind of awe because I thought, wait a minute, did Butchin make a good trade? Because usually when you trade a guy like that, you just it's just a pick and that's it. Huh. You play like a late round pick, maybe David Johnson pans out and you look like a genius. And I thought, oh no, there's no, and I said, I almost said like out loud to myself, there's no way Butchin made a good trade. Right. And then we see it's Hopkins going the other way and he's not getting a first round pick back. Right. Even if Johnson turns out, there's still no, no excuse for not getting a first round pick there. Totally pathetic. You're right, though. I mean, this is so bad. I don't know what the breaking point is. Clearly, nobody else in that organization has any clue what they're doing either. This is just a complete joke, and it couldn't be worse. Bill O'Brien needs to be fired and out of the league. This is horrible. I'm interjecting here. I think we're on the cusp of the Houston Texans having a player revolt. I have no faction of, of... This is just my opinion, but... You look at players like a J.J. Watt and a player like the quarterback out of uh, out of Clemson. Um, you look at some of the other real assets they have on that football team, and there are some good football players on that team. But I think you're at a point now that there are going to be some guys that are going to be asking to be traded or outright released from the Houston Texans because the Houston Texans are going in the wrong direction. And uh, if your goal ultimately, especially, and, and let, let's call uh, let, let's call a spade a spade here, folks. J.J. Um, Watt isn't getting any younger, and he wants to win a championship. He sees his two brothers now together on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they're in a better position to win a Super Bowl right now than the Houston Texans are. And I think there's going to be a mini revolt here pretty soon. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts that there are going to be some guys, and I think led by number 99, and I don't think people in Houston are going to deny him or they're going to begrudge him at all because J.J. has done some amazing things for the city of Houston during his time with the Texans. But he wants to win a championship, and it doesn't look like he's going to get one under the current administration of the Texans football team. No, I've been saying, like, I mean, I think that O'Brien is so dumb that he would trade because he's willing to trade guys like Clowney, who are first overall picks and and were liked and were really good and uh, and uh, Hopkins who's loved and now I mean I could see him trading a JJ Watt which you almost can't do because he's so talented and so means so much to the community but I mean if I'm if I'm the Green Bay Packers I'm trying to get him to come back to Wisconsin oh. I you know if I and and you're in win now mode if I'm the Steelers I'm trying to get the whole Watt clan there and I'm I'm and if if he's willing to trade Hopkins and not even ask for a first round pick sure. maybe you can I don't know what he I don't know what he's doing but. Uh, my, my wife sent me this. Someone uh, named Texans Realm posted this long post of all capital letters. And just to summarize it, it said, why the fuck would we trade the best wide receiver in the whole league for a washed up piece of shit? I swear I think this franchise doesn't want to win a single game next year. Holy fuck, I hate Bill O'Brien. <laughs> and then it says, fuck him like 50 times. Like, fuck him, fuck him, fuck him, fuck him, fuck him, fuck him, fuck him. And just goes on. And it's signed Mrs. O'Brien. Yeah. We are fucked. We better draft a wide receiver. We won't do a single fucking thing. Fire Bill O'Brien. Yeah, you're going to see the calls for fire Bill O'Brien uh, really start to crescendo here. There's no way that fans can be happy with him. No. There's oh, no. God, no. How could a single fan be no. happy with him? 
A single family. As as football mad as they are in the state of Texas. I mean, in the state of Texas, having lived there for five years in the late 80s into the early 90s, they are mad. They'll get 35000 for a high school game on Friday night. Friday night high school in Texas. Saturday night, the NCAA. Sunday, the NFL. They sell out every week at Cowboys and Texans games. And there's a lot of people in South Texas right now that aren't happy with the local team. Yeah, it's crazy. No, but the the, the disparity is the gulf is widening. The, the, the smart versus dumb GMs is becoming extremely apparent. And uh, here we go again. The Ravens again. So here, here's a great, this is a great follow-up to that one. The Ravens traded Hayden Hurst, their, again, backup tight end, right. basically, um, to the Falcons for a second-round pick. They got for Hayden Hurst, yeah. basically what Bill O'Brien got for DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, yep. Are you yep. fucking kidding me? It's well, unbelievable. You can, you can really, on one hand, you can really name the the idiot general managers and three of them happen to reside, I think, in the NFC yeah, North. Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace, uh, who's ever calling the shots in Detroit, I don't even know anymore. I might forget. be. Uh, I, I, I don't even remember. Um, oh, I forgot now, too. Yeah, and then Rick Spielman in Minnesota. There are three real idiots out there. Yeah. Um, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, the de facto general manager of the Houston. The I'm guy, not sure David it... Caldwell in Jacksonville, yeah. has got to be up there on the idiot list. He's, he's good um, at... Caldwell at least is good at drafting, but he's terrible with trades and contracts. And, 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 yeah, and retaining. Everything else is terrible. I got to say one thing before you continue on your list. I was very impressed with what the Miami Dolphins did. Oh, the Miami yeah. Dolphins got a lot better this week, folks. Yeah, they did. Um, they did. And without New England being the New England that we've all known for the last 20 years with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick together, I think there's a chance. And li- I'm, listen to me now, folks. Going into this upcoming season, whenever it starts, the de facto favorite in the AFC East for the first time in 20 years is not the New England Patriots. I believe it's the Buffalo Bills. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And and Dolphins second. And the Dolphins second. And Patriots. Now, I don't want to completely count out Bill Belichick. And, no, they've, and they've made some nice signings this week, They've too. made some nice signings. And the rumor on the street is, is that Cam Newton might be coming to New England because there aren't a lot of opportunities for Cam Newton anywhere. And I could see that for sure. You don't want to hand over, I don't think, you don't want to hand over the reins of the New England Patriots to Jared Stidham, Stidham, yeah, whatever Stidham, his name yeah, is, yeah. from from Auburn University. You don't want to hand over the, 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 as long as Belichick's there, Mr. Kraft's going to expect a good football team. Yeah, yeah. And Belichick will give him a good football team. They're just not as good as we've seen them in the past. But I do need to say this. I truly believe, because Chris and I have been saying this since we first heard that Tom Brady was going to touch a test-free agency for the first time. For his 21st season, he's going to play in Tampa Bay. Congratulations. How do you like the lineup of quarterbacks now in the NFC West? You've got a guy named Breeze, a guy named Matt Ryan, and a guy named Tom Brady. Mm, Not bad. Teddy Bridgewater just doesn't quite fit in that foursome. But anyway, I digress. Um, I truly believe um, that... There was a falling out between Brady and Belichick. I truly believed, as you did for as long as I believed, that Brady would play a 21st season. If he was going to play a 21st season, it was going to be in Boston. So when he decides to say goodbye to Boston on Monday of last week, and then we find out he's going to Tampa Bay, I think that there was a chasm that couldn't be put together. I think that... Belichick and and Brady had just had had enough of each other after 20 years. And, you know, talk about going to a 180 degree different personality. You go from Bill Belichick to Bruce Arians, 
Bruce Arians loves older quarterbacks. He did wonders with Carson Palmer out in, in Arizona. He will do a good job with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's got a couple good years left. Tampa Bay is going to be the beneficiary to this, but I just truly believe that there was some miscommunication that could not be repaired between Brady and Belichick, and that's why Tom Brady is calling South Florida home now. That is one of the most shocking things. Like Tom Brady just signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of, of all teams. I don't know. It's the craziest thing. But anyway, continuing on our theme of dumb versus smart. Here's what happened. Look, here's an example of when two smart GMs trade with each other. Okay, so you've got the Colts and the Niners making a trade. And of course, you've got the excellent uh, John Lynch in uh, San Francisco, and you've got uh, Chris Ballard. Ballard in Indy. In Indy. In Indy yeah. yeah, yeah. So these guys are both great. So look at this. You trade DeForest Buckner for the 13th overall pick. How great is this? Look, the Niners couldn't uh, sign Buckner. They couldn't afford him. They re-signed Eric Armstead to a Correct. big deal. They can't afford Buckner, who was a first-round pick. You get... You're a team that just went to the Super Bowl. You got lots of good stuff going on. And then you acquire a 13th overall pick as well. Brilliant. And then for the Colts, they've just signed Philip Rivers to a one-year $25 million deal. They're in win-right-now mode. Right now. Yep. And somehow they've had... Despite having one of the most solid rosters in the league, they've somehow had almost one of the biggest cap spaces as well, which is like, how do you even run a team that well? That's amazing. So now you have guys like Buckner that you've acquired. You've got Phillip Rivers. They're in win-now mode. This is a great example of a trade that works for both teams, mm -hmm. and those are possible. And it's not like the smart teams have to just go pick on the idiots. They can trade with each other and find, hey, you know what? This works for me. This works for you. It's fair. Everyone wins. Great. That's the, that's the essence of a good deal, and that's how it should be done in uh, in an area of competence another trade that i thought was very good and was also a great indictment of the hopkins trade was the buffalo bills because the thing they were missing was having that number one receiver mm -hmm. so they try our stefan diggs and a seventh rounder for uh, a first rounder fifth and sixth rounder and a fourth rounder so they had to give up a boatload of picks including a first rounder but they get their number one receiver John Brown gets to slide to his natural role as a number as a very good number two receiver. Cole Beasley slides over to his natural role as a great a number slot. three slot receiver. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what they needed. Now, as one guy said online, the only concern is that Diggs is a bit of a drama queen. But other than that, um, yeah, and plus you plus you must like it because it takes He's some out away of the from NFC the, North. There you go. So, what did you think about that trade of? Uh, you know, it was a fair trade, though, and I'd want to be hard on Spielman for that because he got a lot of picks for that, and I don't think that was a bad thing. He's got a good uh, number one receiver in Thielen. I, I think I, it was a trade for both teams. I, I don't know what they're doing in Minneapolis, which doesn't bother me one iota, but in the last week, they've said goodbye to Everson Griffith. Earlier, they said goodbye to um, uh, Linvel Joseph, their big uh, nose guard. Um, now they've they've acquiesced and got rid of Diggs. Diggs probably should have been traded during the season last year. He was so dissatisfied in Minneapolis. But again, in Minneapolis, you give Kirk Cousins, what, three more years or whatever they gave him. So I really don't care what they're doing in Minneapolis. I do want to comment, though, on the trade between the 49ers and the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Chris hit it right on the head. Two good general managers, a win-win for both. I'm very impressed with John Lynch. I mean, I got to tell you, of all the ex-jocks, yeah. he has really done a nice job. He's done an unbelievable good job of maintaining their salary cap. He realized, and I'm not, I, I know you just said this, but there's a point coming. Chris was exactly right. They could not afford Buckner 
with all the other, I mean, everybody on their front line, because the 49ers were so bad before John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan that they were drafting high, high, high every year. And their defensive front reflected that with four or five former number one draft picks. Well, you can't afford all of them. Now with this 13th pick, you can go get the receiver that you need to take up the spot because they lost Emmanuel Sanders today to the New England, excuse me, to the New Orleans Saints. Um, I can't believe the job that John Lynch continues to do in San Francisco. A brilliant job bringing in a good coach, a brilliant job taking over for his predecessor. And I don't even know who his, the predecessor was. I think it was the drunk guy. No, excuse me. It was Trent Belke was the general manager in San Francisco before John Lynch. And Lynch had a lot of messes to clean up in San Francisco. He's done a hell of a job. Same thing with the guy in Indianapolis, Chris Ballard. Um, has done an impeccable job of maintaining uh, the salary cap in, in Indianapolis. And he realized, you know, he was really stuck between that rock and the hard place last year when Oliver Luck retires, or, you know, what was it? Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Oliver's his dad, excuse me. When Andrew Luck retires a week before the regular season, what are you supposed to do? You can't go, go out and trade for a quarterback and get him acclimated. You had to go the rest of that season, last season with Ja'Cory Brissett, just because of the circumstances that were you know, presented to you. But the job he has done this offseason, Indianapolis, in a really weak division, and a division that has Bill O'Brien in it, Indianapolis should be hands down. And the Jaguars. Oh, yeah, they're even worse. In a division that has the Jaguars and Bill O'Brien in it, you should hands down in Indianapolis should be planning on making the playoffs. As long as this, the key components stay healthy, they should be very good this year in Indianapolis. They made some nice acquisitions last year when they brought in Justin Houston. They brought in somebody else. I can't remember right off the top of my head. They brought in somebody else during this first week of free agency to help them on the defensive side of the ball. Indianapolis should be the unquestioned, unquestioned favorite team to win the AFC South this year just because Indianapolis is coached well, they're run well, and this is a division that has Jacksonville and Houston in it. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the easiest pick for a division champion this year. And then, you, I mean, you have the Titans who look good, but then they give Tannehill all that money, which I, I appreciate keeping Tannehill, but you uh, uh, a few games man. of being a game manager yeah. and you give him $118 million. And you tag Derrick Henry? Um, and, and even little things like they traded a great player, Jarrell Casey, to the Broncos for a seventh round pick. Why? Like, yeah. I, 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 and you know what? I love taking shots as we're now, I guess we're into a segment called take your shot. I still don't know what the tooth is doing in Denver. I don't oh. know what the tooth is doing in Denver. I mean, I would have done the same thing, maybe not with an injury designation, but yes, I would have tried to find a way to correct my mistake in bringing Joe Flacco in. I get that. I truly understand that. But are you ready to hand over the reins of your football team to the kid out of Missouri? Uh, uh, what the hell's his name? You know who Drew Locke. Talk, Drew Locke. Are you ready to hand the keys to the fortress to Drew Locke? I mean, he had a great last four or five games at the end of last season. I get that. But by that time, Denver was out of the playoff chase. They were playing for basically draft position. I still do not understand what the tooth is doing in Denver. I really don't. Well, so, I mean, so he trades that 
he trades uh, a seventh round pick for Jarrell Casey, which is a great move. Then he decides he wants to get a seventh round pick back and he trades their excellent fullback, Andy Janovich. And yeah. I, I understand most teams don't use fullbacks anymore, but we're seeing that the ones that do, because uh, back in the day, every single team had a fullback. Yep. Um, now the ones that do, like, see if you recognize these teams, like the Niners, the Chiefs, the Patriots, pretty good teams, pretty good teams. Like they're doing well with fullbacks still, and I don't know if people Packers. realize that. Packers, absolutely. Uh, fullbacks still work great in an offense, and trading a really good fullback, which are really hard to find these days, Agreed. for basically nothing, just because Pat Shermer doesn't like fullbacks. I don't know. Like One big thing that the Tooth does wrong is he picks a guy and then just lets, and then, you know, it doesn't, he picks guys that don't necessarily suit the philosophy of the team, and they have to make big changes. You get Vance Joseph, and he gets rid of Wade Phillips, which ruins your whole Super Bowl team that you had there. He gets in Pat Shermer, and, you know, it, it's just, yeah, the tooth is not good. But uh, let's get back to Mike's favorite topic, which is bashing the NFC North. So we mentioned it briefly, but, yeah, that Nick Foles trade, shouldn't you almost be, I almost thought it would be one of those situations where they have to give, like, they give a fifth-round pick in exchange for a lower pick or something. Like, it's like, like you get you have to get Foles and a better pick than you're giving up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's such a bad contract. But no, well, they just give a fourth round pick. Let me let me let me just kind of see where I'm and and you'll follow along, but I'm I'm wondering what they're doing in Chicago right now. And it do, again, it doesn't bother me one bit. But if you're trying to restore the confidence in a guy that you traded up to draft a couple years ago. They traded up from three to two with the San Francisco 49ers, another brilliant move that we've documented many times on this program in regard to John Lynch out in San Francisco. Still got his guy, but he got him at three instead of two. Saved him some money. If you're trying to restore the confidence of Mitchell Trubisky, why don't you re-sign a Chase Daniels or a career backup kind of guy? Nick Folds is coming to Chicago to be the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, yeah. Nick Folds is there to be the guy in Chicago. 100%. And Nick Folds has some really good things on his resume, like when he did with the Philadelphia Eagles, took him to a Super Bowl championship. The next year, took him again on a deep run in the playoffs. Nick Folds is coming to Chicago. He's got a history with uh, Nagy, Coach Nagy, going back to their diamonds in Kansas City. People forget that Nick Folds was in Kansas City for a while. I don't understand what, you know, and and think about it this way as well. Um, They released Leonard Floyd. Now, they did make an acquisition to bring somebody in, and I can't remember as who, to play the opposite end uh, on the other side to Khalil Mack. But this is what happens when you dedicate so many resources to Khalil Mack is that it costs you in some other places. And people also don't remember that Howie Long's son, Kyle Long, the all-pro right guard, retired in the offseason. So what have you done to fortify your offensive line? Uh, Nothing. Um... I'm happy as long as the Bears, Vikings, and Lions continue to make shitty moves because it makes Brian Gutekunst in Green Bay look like a rocket scientist. And I do have to say this about Brian Gutekunst. Yes, you did the right thing in allowing Brian Balaga to leave. I mean, you weren't going to get many more healthy seasons out of Brian Balaga. But you bring in Ricky Wagner, former right tackle from the University of Wisconsin, who's had two injury plague seasons in Detroit, and you expect him to be the guy to protect Aaron Rodgers from the left side? Uh, you know, on the right side, but it's always the, the, the other side that they're protecting. I'm a little concerned about that. 
well, I'm a little more than a little concerned about that. And what are the two things that the Green Bay Packers need more than anything, more than anything to take the next step and to catch the San Francisco 49ers and the New Orleans Saints and now maybe with all their offensive weapons, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. Tampa Bay's got more offensive weapons than Green Bay does. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Um, what have you done to address tight end and wide receiver? Two big things the Green Bay needed to do. He signed Jay Sternberger. <laughs> okay, big deal. Um, we still, we were out of the, the uh, Austin Hooper sweepstakes very early. Why? Because Cleveland made a dominant offer. Cleveland made. I'm surprised Austin Hooper went to Cleveland. I, Austin Hooper, I'm surprised. That's so disappointing and to me. Where were the Green Bay Packers on Emmanuel um, Sanders, Sanders oh, yeah. in San Francisco, who just happened to go down to New Orleans and team with Michael Thomas and all the other and all the other great offensive weaponry that they have, along with Drew Brees. And another shot at the Chicago Bears, if I may, <clears throat> and I love this. You think Jimmy Graham is going to come in and solve your tight end problems? <laughs> Jimmy Graham, the Packers couldn't get rid of him fast enough. And he goes 235 miles to the south to Chicago. Thank you. Which was worse, signing him for $8 million a year or signing him for two years? He can't even move. I think signing him for the two years is worse yeah, than the $8 million it, bucks. Amazingly, it is. Yeah, you're right. I, I think it's the two years because he couldn't move at the end of last year. And what's going to make him a year older? What's, what's going to make him better in Chicago? And you're working with Trubisky or Folds versus working with Aaron Rodgers. It, you know, there were a lot of bad signings. And we haven't barely got to the signings. We're already 40 minutes in. But... Uh, that might be the worst signing. Jimmy Graham. I, I, I think that's quite potentially the worst signing of, of all of them. And not just because it's the NFC North and not just because I feel that it's the Packers screwing over the Bears. It's just a pure fundamental signing. Eight million bucks is bad enough, but for two years of that Why crap? Why would you give Jimmy Graham two years? I wouldn't give Jimmy Graham two months. Yeah. But I, I, I do have to say this on a positive side because I wanted to get this in, and I know we're going long, but we can do that on Unscripted. I want to say congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have actually spent some money. Yeah. They've Isn't got two corners. Everyone's shocked. They've got two corners, I think both from Minneapolis, late from the Vikings. They're actually spending some money in Cincinnati, and God damn it, I'm proud of you. I know it can't be Mike Brown, but I don't know who the general manager is in Cincinnati, but whoever that poor son of a bitch is, congratulations and how you got that money out of Mike Brown. I don't know how you did it, but I, I'm just shocked and amazed, but very happy that Cincinnati Bengals fans have a little bit of something to get excited about. Well, I think it's nice. It's obviously, they're drafting Joe Burrow number one overall. And I think they decided, like, hey, if we're going to draft him number one and not waste him, we have to get serious about building a serious team. And the fans are going to expect to be let excited. Me, let me throw this by you. Do you think that with the addition of two more, now, two more playoff teams, one in each conference, so seven now, do you think that, and this may be a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I've asked dumb questions. Ask, ask, ask Zach Medeiros. Um, do you think that teams' philosophies in the offseason have changed a little bit? Like they have a better chance of making it? Well, they've got a, they've got a one, one, one more team per league, so that gives them a little bit better chance. Now, realistically, you know 
in the AFC North, obviously Baltimore far and away. But from what I'm reading out of Pittsburgh is Roethlisberger's healthy, throwing pain-free for the first time in years, so that's good news in Pittsburgh. Cleveland is still Cleveland. There's a lot of people that think the Browns have won the offseason, but you don't win shit in the offseason. Ask John Dorsey. Ask Truck Stop Jimmy. Um, I truly believe that there could be, could be, a bit of a battle for second place in the NFC North between the Steelers, who aren't the Steelers of old, but at least they're getting their number one quarterback back next year. They'll get their number one running back, Connor, back next year, hopefully for more than just a couple games. They still got Juju. They've still got a pretty damn good defense, led now by Mika Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt. Yeah. I think there's going to be a battle for second place in that division. Oh, my God. Hold your seats when you hear this. But potentially between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh for second place. You know what? I, I love Joe Burrow from what I've seen from LSU. Uh, I haven't even considered that he could actually be that great because I've just seen so many hotshot college guys, especially one-year wonders, True. Uh, do do poorly. But imagine, what if Joe Burrow is the real deal right out of the gate? Well, and I and I, and I agree with you. I think that's a great point. Wow. But take it, take it another step. Joe Burrow started at Ohio State working under Urban Meyer. Then he goes down to LSU, and they they redo their whole offense to accommodate Joe Burrow. They bring in that offensive coordinator who now is in in Carolina. I can't remember the kid's name. And Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Thank you. You're awesome. Bring in Joe Brady. They do all this stuff. Joe Brady throws 62 touchdowns or whatever the hell it is, wins a Heisman. I think, correct me if, if you don't think I'm right, but I think you make Joe Brady starter from day one in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think you make Joe Burrow the oh. starter day one in Cincinnati, oh, I think and you'll live are. or die with him. I think they are. I think you have to. Yeah. I think you have to, because he's your best chance at this point to win in Cincinnati. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. No, that would be very interesting to see the Bengals. Everyone, I mean, people that have been following the NFL for a lot longer than I have, including yourself, everyone was just blown away. Everyone's like, Mike Brown spending money? What the heck is this? The oh, Bengals I, and it, free agency? People like, thought it was Cleveland by mistake. Yeah. It was crazy. So... Uh, I know we're going a bit long. There's lots more I'd love to get to. Oh, who cares? I, yeah, whatever. Um, and of course, we haven't quite finished bashing the NFC North yet. Let's talk about why the Detroit Lions decide they just hate Darius Slay for no reason, and they were just forced to get rid of him. And then the Eagles, Howie Roseman. Hey, hi, oh guys. I'm, I'm Howie Roseman. Thanks for the free cornerback. Appreciate it. Third and fifth round picks. No problem. Here you go. See you later. I know the Lions signed Desmond Trufant. Right. Uh, but Darius Slay is a special talent here. He was, he, on at times, he was their only good defensive player yeah, the right. last few years. Absolutely. And he is a true number one corner. And when I say a true number one corner, I mean someone who follows anybody. You, you can do whatever you want. If he, It's like uh, in the NHL in like the 90s when they'd have a shadow. They'd put like a shadow. They'd put some agitator on like Yarmor Yager or something to follow him around. Right. Darius Slay, you, you're not going to hide your guy by moving to the other side of the field. You're not going to hide your number one guy by putting him in the slot. Doesn't matter. Darius Slay is going to follow him, and he's going to cover him, and he's going to shut him down most right. of the time. So I love Darius Slay. I love those true number one corners. Guys like Josh Norman and even Richard Sherman have been accused a lot of they just like their one side, and they don't want to move. I am really glad you brought up Josh Norman because I think Josh Norman is going to recapture some magic working under Sean McDermott again in Buffalo, mm -hmm. and I think that might be a very underrated signing. Yep. I think a lot of people gave up on him last year because of a poor year in Washington. But my God, everybody's had a poor year in Washington in the last calendar year. And, you know, um, I just think Josh Norman 
with the familiarity of working with Sean McDermott when they were both in Carolina. I think that's an underrated signing, and I truly believe we're going to see some really good things from the Buffalo Bills this year. Great signing with McDermott. Quickly back to Detroit. I am appalled that these ex-Belichick bitches from New England, has there, has there any ever been a successful Belichick bitch anywhere else in the league after they leave the cozy confines of the New England area? Bill, o, Bill O'Brien, failure. Um, Matt Patricia, on his way to being a failure. Uh, What's-his-face, the offensive coordinator is too, chicken, too big of a chicken shit to even leave the comfort of New England, meaning oh, Josh McDaniel. Um, I am so disappointed when I heard this week that supposedly uh, Patricia told the guy, Darius Slay, who I think is one of the best corners in the National Football League, told him that he wasn't elite after being in the Pro Bowl how many years in a row? And then this was in 2018, 2019. He had eight picks or something like that last year on a really bad Detroit team. I'm telling you right now, folks, Howie Roseman has struck again. He is going to make him the number one corner he deserves to be and the Detroit Lions. If I am Matthew Stafford, remember months ago there was rumors that they were shopping him? If I'm Matthew Stafford, I'm going into owner Martha Ford's office and I'm saying, Mrs. Ford, I love you. I love Detroit, but get me the hell out of here because we aren't winning dick with Matt Patricia as the head football coach of the Detroit Lions. Yeah, he's been a real disappointment. And uh, yeah, I don't know. But not to call... But not to call Darius Slay and not give him proper respect and credit as one of the best corners in the league, not calling him elite, that's like not saying back in 2010 that Aaron Rodgers wasn't the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, that's like, what's the benefit of telling him that? Like, why would you do that? Is, is this like some sort of Mike Babcock shit where well, you're just Well, it's a mind like, fuck is what it yeah, is. Yeah, Mike Babcock shit is yeah, what it is. Like, it's a why? mind fuck. It's that's, a Bill Peters. It's a bunch of crap. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. These guys Listen, are... Listen, I know we're running long, and I want you to keep going, but I do want to ask you, and I wanted to ask you this, and I told you this, and sure. I want your opinion on this. Which team do you feel after week one of the NFL's free agent frenzy period, which team has improved itself the most? I have one, and I want to hear what yours is. Uh, I, I hate to answer these without thinking too much because I feel like I'll forget someone. But the one that really comes to mind is the Chargers, shockingly, yeah. because they have they've made some defensive signings. Uh, they've upgraded their O line uh, in a couple of ways. Uh, I mean, none of their trades are stupid, right. and uh, I, I'm just a I, I'm just a real big fan of that. And I think the timing's nice. I, I love the idea because I think what they're going to do it's they're going to look even better here because. Everyone thought they'd go for a big quarterback. They were kind of in on Tom Brady for a bit, but then they just decided that he was kind of out of their, out of their price. Well, range and also something. I've heard that Tom Brady wanted to stay on the East Coast for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I thought he'd want to go to like Vegas or LA for yeah, Giselle or something. For Giselle. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I like the Chargers because they're going into the new stadium this year. Mm-hmm. And they're, as at least as of now, in Los Angeles still where they're distant second banana even the rams i don't know have the most passionate fans in in la at this point la well la touches the pacific ocean or rhymes with tonto so (laughs) it it doesn't gonna their fans are fucking fair weather is shit right so but uh no i like what they're doing i think they're gonna run they're gonna roll with tyrod and i think they're gonna take justin herbert sixth overall or whatever they are and they're gonna i mean if tua or burrow was available they take him but they're gonna take a top quarterback Mm -hmm. and have him learn for a bit maybe sit on the bench for a year or two behind Tyrod who I've always liked and I it's tough to make me like a quarterback who did poorly on the Wonderlick yeah. but I really yeah. like I I really like Tyrod Taylor I think he's really good and I think there's a lot to like 
with the Chargers this year. And so they're the one that comes to mind to answer your question. Yeah, and Ooh. that's what I'm asking. And and the one that came to my mind, especially, it really popped in. This is funny. And this is the honest to God truth. It popped into my my mind driving over here. I think the New England, excuse me, the New Orleans Saints have improved. And I think we, you know, we talk about Howie Roseman and we talk about Chris Ballard at Indianapolis and John Lynch in San Francisco and potentially someday Brian Gutekunst in Green Bay as some of the better general managers in the National Football League. I don't think we can forget about Mickey Loomis down in New Orleans. Mickey Loomis, this is a team that has had three heartbreaking exits three years in a row from the National Football League playoffs. They had the Minneapolis Miracle three years ago. Then two years ago, they had that aberration with the pass interference call in the Superdome against the Rams. I'm not saying that, again, I'm not saying the Rams wouldn't wouldn't have won the game, but it may have been a little bit easier if New Orleans would have been able to score that time. And then last year, what happened to them when they lose at home in the first round in the wild card? That was a disappointment as well. But think about it this way. They got Drew Brees on a manageable two-year contract manageable i mean drew Brees took a took a hometown discount so they could acquire some more players what do they do they reacquire they get malcolm jenkins back from philadelphia which will help their back end and ultimately i'm very impressed and i've said this already but i i can't believe at 33 years old they think this guy is dead and gone but emmanuel sanders with michael thomas and they're catching balls from drew Brees. plan and they already have the tight end that Green Bay should have never let go years ago, Jared Cook. I'm telling you, the New Orleans Saints folks have gotten better again. And I give a lot of credit to a, to a general manager sometimes we forget about, but Mickey Loomis is doing a hell of a job down there in New Orleans, in my opinion. That's a good one. Uh, the, you know what team has shocked me? And they just signed another guy just just now. This is breaking news, not just a big name or anything, but uh, the Cleveland Browns and... I, I'm not going to say that they're winning the offseason or that they're going to be good or anything, but I really like one-year value signings, mm-hmm. and they are just cleaning up on those. They signed Andrew Billings, uh, one-year, three-and-a-half million, good defensive tackle. They signed Kevin Johnson, a good cornerback, one-year, three-and-a-half million um, to play the slot when you've got Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward on the outside. That's a brilliant signing. And then just, I think, moments ago, they signed one-year, two-and-a-half million, uh, safety Carl Joseph, former first round oh pick. Oh my, that's a good sign. That's a good signing, right? Like you think about that. You've got two el- potentially elite corners with a solid first round pedigree safety and an, and a really good slot corner now. And like I don't even know who's doing the work there. They fired Dorsey and all that. Who they? Dorsey's gone. Wolf is gone. Uh, Alonzo Highsmith is gone. Who's even doing? I don't these know. Signings? And someone's just this doing week, a good job. Just this week, the Browns released. Both former Packers safeties that started the season last year as the starting safeties for the Cleveland Browns, they released, um, oh, what the hell's his name? The kid out of uh, out of uh, Georgia Tech, Morgan Burnett, mm-hmm. and they also let Demarius Randall go. So the Green Bay connection on the banks of the Ohio River uh, is not so prevalent anymore. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, but like whoever's doing the work, like I, they deserve some credit for all these. Well, the GM is a guy, is a younger guy, and I can't remember his name, but uh, Truck Stop Jimmy hired this guy, and he's doing a hell of a job. But again, they still have the stigma problem with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. I truly believe that. Yeah. All right. Uh, your thoughts on the Cowboys signing Ha Ha Clinton Dix to a one-year, $4 million deal to be reunited with Mike McCarthy. It has nothing to do with being reunited with Mike McCarthy. It's, it's a team that had a needed safety because they lost Byron Jones 
to the Miami Dolphins, which I thought was a hell of a sign by the Miami Dolphins. Haha, ha, Clinton Dix has moved around just, I mean, just in the last three years, he was in Green Bay, traded to Washington, finished the 2018 season in Washington, played 2019 in Chicago, and now he'll play 2020 in Dallas. Um, that, to me, says problem right there. And uh, this has nothing to do with his former ex-coach being Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Dallas has a need. This is what was available. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not a fan of Jerry Jones, and I think his two idiot sons are morons. But um, I'm not too excited about the ha-ha Clinton dicks. I mean, when you've been moved all those times and you can't find a home for a former number one, not overall, he was 21 of his draft year. He was the 21st overall pick in his draft year but the, by the Packers. But since in 18, 2018, two years ago, this will be his fourth team. That should send up some smoke, some smoke signals that there's a problem with HaHa Clinton Dix. It should, yeah. I, I like the one-year $4 million. I think that's a good deal. Oh, but, for sure. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, this here, I want to talk about the most bizarre signing. This is the weirdest one. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't even know if this is good or bad. I'm not sure. But for some reason, the tooth, we're going to bring him up again, decided to sign Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Um, now, look, Melvin Gordon wanted this big deal. And there were so many teams you thought you could really see him on. I could see him on Miami or something. Just a million, like half teams in the league. I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. That's probably who O'Brien maybe should have gotten, maybe instead of giving up Hopkins for him. Um, so he wants this big deal. He holds out and all this. And then he gets a deal for two years, $16 million, And he goes to a team that just got rid of its fullback and already has Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Can you make any sense of this? No, I, I can't make any sense out of it. I thought it was a gamble for Melvin Gordon. And of course, there's a connectivity for me to Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon is from Kenosha, Wisconsin, and he played coll collegiately at the University of Wisconsin. So there's connectivity there. I remember Melvin Gordon in 2014 ran for 407 yards in one game against Nebraska. That's how talented this young man is. The problem is... It's, he's not in a run-based offense in, in Denver, and I just don't see enough benefits to Melvin Gordon being in the Mile High City. Um, the offensive line is suspect. They've lost a couple of offensive linemen the last couple of years, and if you don't think that Billy Turner was an improvement in Green Bay for what we had, I bet Denver would take Billy Turner back in a New York minute to play either right guard or right tackle for the Denver Broncos. I don't like the signing of Melvin Gordon, but I don't think... I mean, look at all the guys that have terminated the, or released running backs. Running backs doesn't seem to be... Unless your name is Christian McCaffrey... Running backs don't have the same importance as they used to. I don't know if that's the proper word, but it's certainly to me seemingly that general managers are devaluing the position of running back. And that's going to be tough for a guy like Aaron Jones in Green Bay who's looking for a contract extension off of 19 touchdown regular season. And you're seeing guys that are just all over the street that are available to play for different teams. If Aaron Jones doesn't come to agreement with the Green Bay Packers, there's guys on the street that they could fill in. And I just, I think because of the rules, it's become such a passing league that wide receivers, slot receivers, tight ends are much more important in this day and age than running backs. Well, we're really seeing where guys like Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell 
held out in Bell's case for an entire year and then just got a normal contract after that. Right. It wasn't worth it. So I do like that, the you know, guys are not getting rewarded for sitting out because holdouts are just annoying. And I know sometimes they can be somewhat justified, but they really are uh, a pain in the ass to uh, deal with for sure. Uh, I had a question for you here. So, uh, and Adam Schefter tweeted this as well. So no team has ever started 10 offensive players who were all first rounders at the same time Whoa. in in the common draft era, which is since 1967. So basically the Super Bowl era. No. All right. This year, 2020 in the fall, one team is projected to start at the same time, 10 guys on the offense all at once who were all first round picks. Which team is it? Oh my God. I, I really don't have a clue, but my guess would be the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you got the right division. Oh, okay. Then I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons. Well, it's sure not the Carolina so Panthers. Sure as the Carolina Panthers. No. So it's their entire offensive line, their quarterback, running back, two wide receivers, and tight end. So they've got uh, Matt Ryan as their quarterback, wide receivers Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, yep. tight end Hayden Hurst they just acquired. Right, got from Baltimore. Their yep. entire offensive line, which left yep. to right is... Jake Matthews, James Carpenter, Alex Mack, Chris Lindstrom, and Caleb McGarry. And then the guy I'd like to talk about right now, which is a really nice signing and a shocking cut from the Rams. And that, of course, is Todd Gurley yeah. signed for one year, $5 million. And I feel so bad for his arthritic knees and everything. And clearly, this has been a more major thing than we thought. The Rams were willing to take a lot of dead money on the cap because of this. And, I mean, he was the face of the franchise, amazing player, can do it all, and a great human being known for just talking with the janitors, and everybody loves this guy, face the franchise other than Aaron Donald. Um, what a sad, I, unfortunate thing, at 26 to be messed I, I up. Think, I think that there was more to that. His senior year at Georgia is when he developed the knee problem. We had the torn ACL as Correct. well. Correct. And I think that there was more damage in there, and I don't know, obviously, if he's totally recovered. When healthy, he's the best back in the league. I think it's easily to be easily said that when healthy, he's the best back in the league. And you knew in that Super Bowl that ended up thirteen to three, one of the most boring Super Bowls ever, mm -hmm. that it wasn't. They didn't have the ability to use Todd Gurley in their game plan the way that they would have anticipated. Um, I was shocked by this, uh, considering just two years ago. He was the highest paid running back in the league. Um, it's just a shock, though. And um, I'm happy that he, he hooked uh, back up with the Atlanta Falcons, going back to the great state of Georgia. I think that he can be a complimentary. But remember, the, the Falcons also, they released Coleman, their running back. So I think there's a chance there for Todd Gurley to really take the, take the reins of being the number one back in Atlanta. And then for him, being such a class act that he is, I hope he takes it full advantage of this opportunity. I really do. Yeah, and um, uh, we're almost done here. I want to say with the Rams, for our buddy Greg, not just the girly thing, but the Andrew Whitworth thing, I thought he was going to retire. So did I. And he was going to be... Three years, $37.5 Doesn't that put him damn near to close to 40? Well, that'll put him over 40. He's, yeah. What's he going to be? He's, he, he's going to turn 39 during the season. I, I'm surprised. You know, I again, I I'm, I don't want I don't want to poo poo turn. too much on Les on Les. Uh, oh, Les what, Need. The West Need, who has done some great things as a general manager of the St. Louis and now, of course, the Los Angeles Rams. But there are have been some head scratching moves here the last couple of weeks, and it goes back to some head scratching moves he made. 
two or three years ago when he signed Goff and Gurley and all these guys to these extensions, and now it's come back to bite him in the ass. They don't have a lot of cap space. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, I think that the Rams have taken a couple steps backwards this offseason. Um, they lost uh, Dante F- uh, uh, Fowler. Fowler to the to the Falcons, which I think is a great sign for the Falcons. Yeah. Um, obviously, they... I'm a little bit happy, and and surprisingly to me, Green Bay fans, I guess, are inundating Brian Gutekunst's uh, email address about bringing back Clay Matthews to play middle linebacker for the Packers. I don't see that happening. But um, all these big, fancy signings that Les Snead did a couple, two or three years ago have now come back, and that's, you know, now you got to pay the piper, right? And the first year of a deal is always the easiest one. It's the second, third, and fourth years of the deal when they get backloaded that it's tougher to get under the salary cap. And that's why you're seeing the Los Angeles Rams, you know, exiting, letting a lot of these guys exit stage left because they just can't keep them under the, under the salary cap anymore. And, you know, you appreciate Les Snead's cavalier attitude when they were, you know, in the Super Bowl, but now they're paying dearly for that Super Bowl run of a couple of years ago. Yeah, they really are. And you know what? I, I had one other thing I wanted to say about the about Melvin Gordon. I almost think the Melvin Gordon sign was some terrible, shitty, half-assed attempt by the tooth to get back at the Chargers for poaching Chris Harris. Yeah. I, I really do. Like, I think... and But the I, Chargers got the better end of the deal. Well, not even close. I mean, and they signed him to a solid contract, two years times 10. They take uh, the Chargers. They took they. I didn't get into the specifics of why I thought they won. Linval Joseph. They take from uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they got Brian Balaga from the Packers, who actually was healthy last year for the most part. And uh, yeah, the Chargers. The the Rams might not be the best team in their own stadium next no, year. No, and you know, I I really believe in the NFC West. Uh, at least for this year, this upcoming year, regardless of when it starts, it's going to start though. Your two favorites that are going to be battling for the playoff positions in the NFC West definitely are going to be San Francisco and Seattle, I think. Even though I'm not quite sure what Seattle's doing, they bring back Bruce Irvin, which I was, I think that's a sign that they know that Jadavian Clowney is gone. So they bring back Bruce Irvin, who had some good years, serviceable years, when the Legion of Doom was together in in Seattle. Uh, But again, um, I'm surprised by some of the Rams moves. I think they were made out of necessity, obviously, so they can maintain some kind of, uh, stability with their salary cap. But, um, I'm sticking true to what I believe that the new Orleans saints have improved themselves the most so far through this first week of NSFL's free agent frenzy period. All right. And before we get out of here, I, I did need your expertise as a Packer for a second. Uh, I did want to mention, by the way, the thing I forgot with the Bengals was in addition to everything else they've done. So they've all, they now have two guys right in the middle of the field on the defense who can who are impossible to run on and can actually rush the quarterback, almost like an Aaron Donald. You've got Geno Atkins and DJ reader who are each the size of my house right. in the middle of the field yeah. who you can't run on and can actually get on the quarterback, which is scary. Yeah. 
I love that signing of Reader. What the hell are you supposed to do against that? Yeah, the Bengals could surprise. If Joe Burrow's the real deal, the Bengals are going to be a fun team to watch I said it earlier. I think they're in a battle with the Pittsburgh Steelers for second place in the AFC North Division. You're right. But uh, I wanted to ask you as a Packer, and this I'll try to make this the last question here because I know we've gone really long, but uh, NFLs are bread and butter, and I do like talking about that a lot. But the Packers had a guy that in 2018 had 10 and a half sacks. Then they Kyler signed, Fackrell. That's right. And then they signed the Smiths, and I get that, and he doesn't get to play as much and all that, but the Giants got him for one year, $4.6 million. If you're the Packers and you're in win-now mode and Rodgers isn't getting any younger, you want to make moves now, isn't that kind of linebacker depth and defensive end depth, isn't that kind of important? Uh, I mean... The Smiths, can you guarantee they're both going to stay healthy the whole time? Isn't that the perfect guy? You get him for like one year, five million. You have him as a as a backup. You maybe give them a bit of a rest. You give them some load management. Like, mm. why, okay, here's, why here's, let him go? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Kyler Fackrell wanted out. That was not a secret in Green Bay. He was very disappointed. As you mentioned, in 2018, he had 10 and a half sacks to lead the Packers. And he basically became a part-time player. I believe in my heart of hearts the reasoning behind letting Kyler Fackrell go to the New York Giants was simply this, Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary, which was the number one pick last year, 12th overall at the University of Michigan, will be that guy to provide the rest every now and then for the two Smith brothers. Rashawn Gary has got to prove that he was worth the 12th overall pick in the 2019 draft, and the Packers are going to give him every opportunity to fulfill some of that promise he didn't do much last year and a lot of it sure was because of the smith brothers also because of fackler when he did get in there did make some he did make some noise when he was in there but obviously not to the tune of 10 and a half sacks which he had in 2018 but remember he had 10 and a half sacks for a team that ended six nine and one so he probably got some of those 10 and a half sacks in garbage time when the packers were getting their ass kicked and you know, it was a combination of Brett Hundley or some other loser at quarterback when when uh, Rodgers was out with his broken collarbone. So I think that uh, Fackler wanted to go. Um, he needed to make, you know, his mark somewhere else. I appreciate that. When Kyler Fackrell was in Green Bay in 2018 with the 10 and, a half fa- 10 and a half sacks, his linebacker coach happened to be a guy by the name of Patrick Graham, who is now the defensive coordinator with the New York football giants. So there's a reason there. And that's a reason why uh, uh, Martinez, our middle linebacker, too slow. But that's another reason why Martinez went to New York because Patrick Graham is the new defensive coordinator under Joe, whatever his name is, in New York. But again, this is all predicated on futures. And the future for the Green Bay Packers as the backup to the two Smith brothers has got to be Rashawn Gary. Because if you don't get anything out of the 12th overall pick in the draft, then that really makes Gutekunst look like a fool. All right. Okay. I promise this is the last question. I appreciate the Green Bay stuff. I could talk about these free agent signings all day long, but the last thing, because I, I forgot about this one, uh, our, our favorite whipping boy, idiot face, Jerry Jones. Please. Okay. In poker, we have something uh, where, you know, a mistake rookies make is you've already put a certain amount of money in the pot. 
And it's like, well, I've come this far. I might as well just throw all my money away yeah, on yeah. a shitty hand. It's like the weekenders that come in from to Vegas on the weekend and they lose a hand for 200 and they have the mentality to throw 400 out of the next yeah. hand so they can win it all back. And all of a sudden or they're down too. 600 yeah. and boom, they put 600 up and they lose again. They're down 1,200. Yeah. That's the mentality that made Vegas wealthy. Exactly. And it's also what makes the Cowboys suck. Idiots. Yep. And... Look, they got bashed for giving a first-round pickup for this guy when they could have got him for a lot less, frankly. And now to double down, uh, as they say, and give him five times 20. Nice, cool $100 million for Amari Cooper, uh, a guy who tends to quit on routes. He quits on your team. He's not great in the locker room. He was okay as a, as a rookie, and then he got worse and worse as the years went on. He's easy to shut down. I just, I don't get, like, what a shitty signing. This is why the Dallas Cowboys have never, well, they haven't done anything, realistically. Think about it, folks. In the nine or ten years that Jason Garrett was the head coach of the Cowboys, they won one division title. That was, what, 2014? And then they get eliminated by the great play the great play of Aaron Rodgers to Jared Cook, and then uh, Mason Crosby hits a 58-yard field goal, and the 12-4 and four, 12-4 Cowboys are out of the playoffs. They have been irrelevant ever since Jimmy Johnson left to go coach the Miami Dolphins or go to Fox Sports or whatever the hell he did or went to, I don't know, you, when Jerry, when Jimmy and Jerry couldn't work together and all of a sudden Jerry or Jimmy goes to Fox Sports and then he ultimately goes back to the Dolphins and you know the rest of the story. The, this is where not having a legitimate football man run your football operations. And this is, I'm going to tell you right now, folks, this is going to frustrate the hell out of Mike McCarthy. You think Mike McCarthy had problems with Ted Thompson? And he did. He had problems with Ted Thompson in Green Bay because Ted Thompson would never go into free agency. It was always draft and develop. Well, again, I go back to the Green Bay Packers draft of 2014 and of the nine players that the Packers took in the 2014, not one of them are on the current Packers roster. That's sad for a draft and development team. But if he thinks it was bad in Green Bay, it's only going to get worse in Dallas. Dallas does not, the current triumphant of Jerry and his two idiot sons do not know how to judge NFL talent. I really believe that in my heart of hearts because they wouldn't, a real football man, in my opinion, wouldn't have given Amari Cooper a hundred million bucks. A real football man would not. A Mickey Loomis, a Howie Roseman, a Kyle, Chris Ballard, Tom Telesco, Tom Telesco in, in San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles with the Chargers, uh, John Lynch in San Francisco. None of those aforementioned no, of general not. managers would have given Amari Cooper $100 million. The reason that they did, well, we sent a number one draft pick to the Raiders and we've got to make this guy pan out. Well, now you're throwing bad money after more bad money, and this is why the Dallas Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl since 1995, and this is why they will not be a factor in 2020 because they are poorly run by non-football men. They're run by oil businessmen, and that's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to run. We went long, but we don't apologize because we can do that here on Unscripted. And Chris is exactly right. The NFL is our bread and butter. We like talking about it. And it's been a great opportunity to talk about it. And it's fun to talk about something besides you-know-what-19. So 
Having said all that, we do have to run on this edition of Unscripted, episode number 478, if you're keeping track at home, and we certainly hope that you are. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to all the people that continually listen to Unscripted and support us on our nine different social media avenues. I truly appreciate all of you for doing that and sincerely hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.